Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. We are thrilled to be presenting a seven-part series with our fantastic partner, Mays Row Wine Merchant. We are proud to present this series of interviews, diving deep into the heritage and legacy of Mays Row's excellent Italian producers. Tune in every Saturday from March 5th through to April 16th as we take an intimate look at these respected historic producers and their role as part of the Mays Row family of luxury wines. And remember to check out our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for incredible video content featuring a visit to Argiano. My name is John Irwin. I work with Mays Row Wine Merchants in the United States. We are an importer of wonderful wineries, estates, a curation of incredible producers. And one of those that we are honored to import is Argiano in the U.S. And joining me today is the CEO and winemaker of Argiano, Bernardino Sani. Bernardino Sani has been with the Argiano estate in Montalcino since 2010 transitioning to CEO and winemaker over time and bringing the estate some of the most acclaim that it's ever had, specifically as he returns to a more elegant style of Brunello di Montalcino and an ever, ever, ever improving and, and just beautifully, uh, just beautifully powerful expression of Super Tuscan called Salengo. So Bernardino, thank you for joining us today. Um, I just want to go ahead and get started. I just want to say, can you give us a little history of the Argiano estate to get us situated? Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Good evening, everybody. And uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. And uh, yes, let's speak about Argiano. The history, as you know, is uh, very deep. Uh, the, the estate, like it is now, dates back to the 1580. So there's really a lot of history on its back uh, and uh, has been going through different owners, uh, different family, uh, pretty much all the most important noble families from Italy has been owning Gargiano in the times because it started with the Pecci family from Siena, uh, the ones who built the, the castle of Argiano, then uh, the Gaetani Lovatelli from Roma, they had two popes in the family. Then the Cinzano Marone from Piedmont, and then eventually in 2013, it was sold to an amazing family, not a noble one at this time, but an amazing family from Brazil, the Esteves family. And with them, it started a big project, all dedicated to the renovation, restoration of the, of the place, not only the castle, but we started from the vineyards, then the cellar, then we really wanted to put a lot of attention on making a, a terroir-driven classic Brunello di Montalcino that tells you about the place. So we, we, we worked a lot in the cellar and then... It has been completed now, the restoration and renovation of the castle uh, with the gardens, the Italian gardens in front uh, and uh, the main house and especially the, the, the beautiful uh, original uh, cellar from Renaissance time. Yeah, we spent a little time together and I, for the first time I was able to see those uh, incredible Italian gardens. Is that the last piece uh, of part of the reno restoration of the estate uh, or will there be more projects that you guys are going to do? 
Well, John, there's uh, there's a lot of ideas and projects going on, but uh, so far that is the last piece that was missing. As uh, the castle in now is now fully restored and renovated, and uh, and uh, everything gets in on place, and uh, it's doing. Uh, I mean, uh, we are we are very happy in this moment because uh, uh, we didn't do something new, something uh, that uh, apported this big changement to the place, but uh, it's like bringing back to its original splendor a beautiful thing. So we are very proud of uh, what uh, has been done so far in Argiano, and uh, of course many many more things will come, especially in the, in the vineyards, but uh, so far we are happy with that. So I want to get to the vineyards piece, that rich history going back to 1580, but I mentioned sort of hinted at at the beginning uh, that maybe one of the most important moments in Argiano is actually current. Uh, and 500 years of history, can you believe it, Bernardino? You're one of the most important aspects of the last 500 years. And I, I've told this story many times, but I think Argiano has done a lot over since you've joined the winery, since that ownership changed, changed hands to the Estevez family. Can you talk about what specifically has changed in the winemaking and the farming over the last 10, 12 years. So when we started to think at what uh, was needed to be done in, uh, in Argiano, we immediately thought that the most important thing were the vineyards. So besides deciding to be organic, and mostly because we wanted to avoid pesticides and uh, chemical fertilizers and push our roots of the vines deeper, down in the soil to get more of uh, a, the terroir uh, sense. And uh, beside that, uh, we started a project of micromapping uh, all the vineyards of San Giovese, trying to find out uh, the best uh, spot, the best uh, parcels of San Giovese and Brunello di Montalcino, and we started to wine make them separately. We restored completely the Vigna del Suolo, that is the most uh, important vineyard in our opinion of Arciano, because it's the oldest vigna of Sangiovese with all clones of Sangiovese, all clones of Brunello, and uh, it's the vineyard that uh, has the soil that is one of the most uh, complex and interesting one. It's a soil that is a mix of clays and limestones and uh, especially when the roots goes down and they go down uh, for meters in the Vigna del Suolo, you really get an extraction of the limestones uh, and those result in great complex, uh, fresh uh, longevity Brunello. And so the vineyards are the most important part, not only because we wanted to make uh, a terroir-driven Brunello and the Brunello that tells you a lot about uh, the place where we are. But the most important thing is that uh, in these times of uh, global change, uh, global warming uh, and uh, weather change, um, very dramatic sometimes weather changes, uh, having uh, the vineyards in good balance with the environment and changing something in the way we do the viticulture, really it's uh, super good in order to have uh, fresh, uh, bright acidity in the wine and uh, longevity in our Brunello. So there's a lot to unpack there from the idea of how farming affects that finished wine. But when did your project to start organics begin? 
So we started to try the organic practice in the Vigna del Suolo since 2012, and we started to be fully organic in 2012 in our vineyards management, and in 2015, sorry. And then from 2019, we are certified organic producers in the vineyard. Okay, so Argiano is about 57 hectares under vine, is that right? Yes, 58. And uh, 20, 58. 20 okay. uh, so 40 hectares are uh, Sangiovese for uh, Brunello di Montalcino, for Rosso di Montalcino, and a little bit of IGT. And then uh, we have around 18 hectares of uh, French varieties, Cabernet, Sauvignon mostly, and then Petit Verdot and Merlot. So we did plant some new vineyards in Guyot style, as we believe that in this time, I don't want to go deep in details, but there's a difference between managing the vines in, I don't know, in Cordone Speronato or in Guyot or in other ways. And we believe that Guyot is the way that in this historical moment assure you the the freshness in the in the vines and assure you to have uh, always uh, pretty much always uh, great uh, uh, quality in the grapes and with the what is the fundamental difference between planting to guyo and and uh and spur spur or cordon i should say um so it's it's the cane, and then how does that how does that sort of affect the finished wine? So yes, John, is the is the cane, and is the 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 fact that uh, with uh, Guyot you always have uh, fresh uh, uh, wood uh, each season uh, and growing growing wood, and so this helps a lot in maintaining uh, a little bit more of uh, of. Uh, of freshness and acidity in the grapes, and uh, beside that, uh, the the Guyot uh, method of uh, of uh, of training uh, it's uh, it's a much more assure much more longevity to the to the to the vines. Saying that, uh, spurred cordon we have it also in Argiano, and uh, it's a great uh, qualitative uh, uh, method, and uh, and uh, especially in uh, in some vines and in some old vines assure a lot of complexity and a lot of concentration in the in the grapes so you probably need it both need them both and uh, also is mm. uh, is different uh, you, the way you work in the in the vineyard and in some cases the guyot require a little bit more of work and manual work but uh, but we're very happy and we again we are trying because and we are experimenting because we want to face uh, the the changements uh, we see in the in the climate i see okay i asked about the total hectareage under vine because i wanted to establish the context that You've been mentioning Vigna del Suolo or the Suolo Vineyard, which is a 4.4 hectare parcel on your estate. You mentioned it has the most complex soil structure, and it also is the source of your single parcel bottling Vigna del Suolo, which you only release in top vintages, about 5,000 bottles. And so you, the first one was in, the first release was in 2015, the second release was in 2016. I believe you just held. You just have a few library bottles for posterity in the estate for the 2017 vintage. Is that right? Yes, it's right. And uh, you know why? It's uh, it's not because the 17 was uh, 
uh, the quality of Vigna del Sol wasn't there. Actually, it was the best vineyard even in the 17. But uh, the 17 has been one of the driest year ever. It didn't rain really rain until uh, November by us, and uh, and so we had a loss of uh, production of around 30, 35 percent. And uh, we needed to use the, the Vigna del Suolo completely in the blend of uh, Classico Brunello in order to, go around, to guarantee the, 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 the quality and also the quantity because uh, we didn't have enough Brunello and we needed the quality of Vigna del Suolo to go in the Classico Brunello blend to, to guarantee the freshness, the complexity and, uh, and the characteristic of a Brunello. Yeah, the Brunello that you're making on the estate, I had the opportunity to try the 2017, as well as try a lot of other producers 2017 over the past few days here at Italy. And what is so remarkable about what you've achieved in the 2017 vintage, especially being in Southwest Montalcino, which is known for having warmer temperatures, is just how much freshness the wine maintains a, a certain vertical structure on the acid that really makes the wine really gastronomic. But I have to say, I just want to mention for anybody who's on the call right now in the clubhouse or anybody who's listening to this podcast later, the Vigna del Suolo is a thrilling bottle of wine, nothing short uh, than a thrilling bottle of wine. It has so much character. It is incredible in terms of its complexity and its aromatics. And the 2016 was awarded Red Wine of the Year by Gambaroso, well-deserved. And I think, um, I just want to say, Bernardino, it's a testament. I mean, it's sort of this shining beacon for everything that you and the Estevez family have accomplished over the last 10 years. Along with your, I should mention, your agronomist, Francesco Minari. And I had an opportunity to be in the vineyards with Francesco last year, if you remember. And he told me about some really interesting things that you were doing. I mean, obviously you had the soil study and you're moving to organics and you're changing to geo, but also he mentioned, you know, reducing planting density in some cases, as well as using sunscreen on the leaves. Can you talk about some of the other things that you're doing in the vineyard to help mitigate the incredible heat that's going on uh, as, as we, as the world gets a little bit warmer, I should say as the world gets almost more tropicalized, because, you know, sometimes it can be really rainy vintages and sometimes it can be really hot vintages, depending on where you are. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting maybe uh, to talk about what uh, what are the biggest challenge right now for uh, for uh, for for making wines and to brew wines in uh, in uh, in Europe, I will say Europe and uh, all over the world. Uh, the first the first thing is usually that the winter so cold and uh, but is usually warmer and drier and this uh, means for the vines that they start uh, early the the earlier the growing season and then usually in april you have uh, april may you can have still some days where it's uh, it's colder and you have the north arctic winds arriving and you can have uh, some uh, some frost uh, problems then uh, in the summertime, uh, usually you get uh, a couple of weeks in the in the beginning of August, uh, end of July, beginning of August, uh, where it's really super hot, uh, much more than it used to be. And then uh, the, this is a good fit, the bad aspect, but the good things is uh, that you usually have uh, September, October that is fabulous. So before it was the opposite. The biggest challenges were in uh, in the fall. So September 
could be rainy and uh, October could be very cold and rainy and this could damage the whole uh, the whole year of growing season and uh, and your harvest now is the opposite if you arrive in August in the end of August uh, with uh, a good quality in the in the in the vines in the plants then you are pretty safe and sure that you can have uh, you can wait and start to to see a beautiful beautiful ripening season in September October so the secret is to balance the vines in order to to survive well and to and to and to pass well the very heat uh, waves of uh, that you may have in August and then arrive in September prepared to have a fantastic uh, end of the season. In our case, what we did, as you said, we reduced uh, the we increased a little bit the yield and reduced the density because uh, we were no more looking for concentration. If you if uh, twenty years ago. You were studying that uh, you needed uh, to make uh, one kilo of grapes uh, for plant uh, in order to have a great concentration and one basically one bottle of wine for plant uh, for vine uh, for single vine uh, in order to have great quality now in these uh, times uh, you need to make at least uh, 1.5 kilos and have uh, a little bit more for plant uh, in order to have not too much uh, sugar, not to arrive at uh, eating uh, <laughs> alcohol uh, degrees, uh, but uh, to make a fresh uh, uh, and, 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 and bright and, and, and clean wine. And so beside that, uh, uh, as I was telling you, the, the, the fact that in August uh, it can get super hot and you can have, have uh, heat waves, uh, we use a clay called uh, caolino that is uh, gray, and it's totally organic, it's totally natural, and these reflect the sun. So uh, this is very useful to prevent sunburn on the on the grapes, and uh, and also strong and makes the the skins of the grapes even stronger and thicker. So it's a great help to spray that in order to prevent the the the, the, the grapes to get burnt and sunburned by by the very hot climate. And then you need to push to keep your soil very open, very fresh, not so compact. And in this case, being organic and planting grass and flowers in the winter and springtime inside the fields is helping a lot. And you need to push your roots more down to get to escape from from the dryness of the of the soils in the in the summertime. And uh, in some cases, uh, when needed, uh, you need uh, you need water. So we also made uh, a lake in Arjano, and uh, we we dig uh, a lake a well that goes uh, 250 meters uh, underneath in the soil, and uh, so we can have enough water for uh, uh, when it's needed. Yeah. Um, so in that Swolo vineyard. You're talking about the roots going down, and with vines that are 55 to 65 years old you know, they're deep. And so they have a lot of access to resources. Um, but one of the other things that I found really interesting in spending some time in the vineyard with you and, and your agronomist, Francesco, was uh, that you're working with what you think is a proprietary clone of Sangiovese. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the research that's going in, uh, going into that? 
Yes, so the the that is a very interesting project, and uh, what I love is to work with something that is really historical. Uh, Argiano to me is the history of uh, of Montalcino is the is part of the identity of Montalcino. So I really love. Uh, to, to do this project because it tells about the history of Argiano. We are studying with the University of Latusha, that is a very uh, important university here in Italy. We are studying the clones of the Vigna del Suolo. We did an experimental vineyard uh, replanting those uh, clones, and we will start uh, this year the first uh, micro vinification of these uh, different clones. We selected uh, the best inside the Vigna del Suolo. We replanted, uh, we replicated, uh, replanted, and we are studying them. Uh, there are six of them in order to select uh, the most representative one. Why we do this? Because those clones are not massive, uh, massale selection done in the years. Uh, and so the, the commercial clones that you find uh, uh, all over Tuscany and all over Montalcino. Uh, those clones are the original ones that you could find and have in Montalcino 100 years ago when they started the production of Brunello di Montalcino. And those clones are the original one of Sangiovese Grosso that was in Argiano uh, many, many years ago when they started the production of Brunello. So we will uh, put a copyright at least on one clone that will be the Argiano clone of Sangiovese. Not because it's better than the other or, or, or worse than the other, but because it will be us. So it will be something very specifically made in Argiano and, uh, and, uh, and that you can find only in Argiano. Yeah, this this idea of better or worse, it's really just about what makes it the most unique. How does it express a certain place? I, I find that that conversation about the clones and, and the work that you're doing there totally exciting because when you have your own unique place, of course, but then it's not terroir is not just about place and grape. It's also about time and how that grape changes to a specific location and to have something that's molded to your specific vineyard, your specific estate over hundreds of years. It's pure unfettered terroir. And, and that's probably a big, big reason why that uh, Vigna del Suolo bottling is just so, so thrilling. Um, but anyway, we've been talking a lot about Sangiovese. So I think we should also talk a little bit about the international varieties that are planted at Argiano. Can you, uh, Remind the folks, you had mentioned it already, but can you remind everybody the international varieties that are planted and how you use those? Yes, John. So we have uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, and Petit Verdot, and Merlot. So Argiano soils uh, are uh, different, of course, is in 58 hectares of, uh, of vines, uh, there are many different soils. But uh, the main difference is uh, we do have a part that is uh, mostly uh, clays with limestones, and there we have uh, Sangiovese. And then we have some more alluvional soils on the board and uh, a part in the southern part of the state that is uh, more red clays. And there in those alluvional soils and in the clays, uh, there are more there are more planted uh, the, 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 the French varieties. The history of Argiano uh, is huge and uh, during uh, a, a decade, a little bit more than a decade, they had uh, 
one of the most iconic winemakers of Italy called Giacomo Takis consulting for them. So Giacomo was uh, an iconic winemaker in Italy because uh, he made some of the most uh, successful wines of Italy. It's, uh, he started with Tignanello, then he did Solaia, then uh, he did uh, Terre Brune in Sardinia, then he did Seaworker uh, uh, for Sassicaia. He finally arrived in uh, in Argiano and uh, in 95 uh, he started to to make Solengo that is a blend of uh, Cabernet 50%, Merlot around 25, 20 Petit Verdot, so there's a lot of Petit Verdot in the blend and uh, 5% of uh, Sangiovese. Beside Solengo, a little bit as we do Brunello di Montalcino and Rosso di Montalcino and uh, we want to make uh, not... uh, a difference in quality, but a difference in taste there. So we want to make a Brunello that is uh, complex, uh, long-aging, uh, uh, big wine, and the Rosso di Montalcino that is super gastronomic, uh, high-quality Sangiovese. The same thing we want to make with the Super Tuscan. We have Solengo that is a uh, big, powerful, uh, uh, Sant'Estef uh, style of uh, kind of uh, Bordeaux-style wine, and uh, uh, the NSC, the NC, that is uh, also a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon with Merlot and Sangiovese, that is a more fruity, fresh expression of a Super Tuscan, more gastronomic, uh, maybe, and more easy to drink uh, on everyday basis. Yeah, it's um, the Solengo is a really exciting bottling, and the NC is also fabulous. Um, the, the wines... How many hectares, again, do you have planted to international varieties versus Sangiovese? So we have around uh, 20 hectares of uh, international varieties, and uh, and the rest is, uh, is Sangiovese. That's incredible. Um, so I, I want to come back to the uh, the estate itself. So dating back to 1580, um, can you give us a little bit more detail? And, and I think this is really fascinating. You, when, can you give us a little bit more detail on what the estate was like when you arrived and what some of the specific things you did? And, and in this case, I know we've talked about the, the vineyards, of course, but in this case, I'm talking about the Villa Bellaria, which is at the center of the estate. What was that like when you arrived and what have you done to... Um, to change it since uh, since 2010. Villa Bellaria has always been uh, an amazing, beautiful place, but uh, it needed a huge restoration as uh, for many years it was uh, almost abandoned as the family who lived there uh, Gaetani Lovatelli did sold uh, the property in the end of the 70s and uh, the new owners uh, uh, did develop uh, a new winemaking facility in Argiano, but uh, they didn't uh, start the restoration of the villa. So basically two things uh, were needed. And the first was the roof that was collapsing completely. And the second one was the cellar. The old cellar that was still used as a cellar needed a huge restoration because it uh, was full of uh, water leaking, uh, was uh, full of molds, and was no more possible to use it as a good environment uh, for aging the wines. So 
When we arrived, I stayed and uh, preached to the owners uh, to start thinking about uh, at least uh, moving uh, the wines out of the old uh, aging cellar because it was not uh, the greatest uh, environment to, to age the wines. And so a new underground cellar was made in to age the wine and then uh, we we started to to renovate and restore the villa bellaria we started from the roof then we did the walls the facade then we did the cellar the old uh, cellar and then uh, after all this was completed we started to to work in the in the offices that are in the main floor we did a new um, and and inside what was a bar room we need a tasting room and uh, and restaurant and uh, we did the main house and the last floor the, the of the villa bellaria with the uh, art collection that is hosting a art collection that is a private art collection so we won't don't want to to, to speak too much about that, but uh, if uh, someone visit Argiano is invited to, to see it as it's a beautiful collection from the times of the, of the Villa Bellaria. So only the people that are currently on Clubhouse will be able to view these, uh, these Renaissance paintings. Um, I encourage anybody who is, has the opportunity to visit Argiano. Uh, I had the great pleasure of being there last year. The only thing that I think wasn't done yet was the gardens, which were just completed. But um, it is a complete, uh, completely stunning jewel in Montalcino, 300 meters up, like a tabletop overlooking, uh, overlooking Sant'Angelo and Cole in the southwest. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Argiano, uh, Bernardino, but uh, for the folks on the call, I also want to provide some context to Montalcino in general, a little bit of knowledge on Brunello. I said that you're located in Sant'Angelo and Cole. How, is, how do wines from Sant'Angelo and Cole typically, how are they typically, uh, ex- how do they typically express versus wines from other parts of Montalcino? And then how does Argiano fit into there? So it is um, it is a great question and it's not easy to answer as um, Montalcino has uh, a different aspect. So it's a, it's a, it's a big hill with the village on top of a hill and so naturally it has different uh, um, different uh, sides and microclimates uh, southwest versus uh, uh, northeast, uh, southeast versus uh, north, uh, northeast, and um, historically the two main uh, region developed uh, for uh, for winemaking were the southwest side where we are, and the and the northeast where uh, other great producers are. If you want some more details about the producers uh, in the southwest area, you have uh, in our area close to us you have. Uh, you have Santa Restituta of Gaia, you have Soldera, you have uh, um, Giacomo Caprilli, you have Argiano, and then uh, down under us, uh, there is uh, Banfi, there is uh, uh, on the right side Frescovaldi, on the left side Poggione. Then uh, the last uh, estates in the southern side of uh, Montalcino are uh, uh, on one side uh, Coldorcia and on the other uh, Antinori estate. On the northeast side, uh, you have Biondi Santi, you have uh, 
Casanova de Neri and uh, you have Barbie, you have many, many other great producers. Montalcino is 24,000 hectares of lands, but only 2,000 are Brunello vines. So the vines are not planted everywhere, as it's happened usually in the very uh, popular winemaking region, but uh, they have been planted only where there is a good soil and where there is uh, a, a where it's easy to make uh, high-quality wine, wines. So you have the, the most important uh, um, aspect of... Uh, uh, of uh, of the of these uh, of these different regions uh, in each uh, in each winery and uh, do you hear me yeah so yeah in uh, in argiano it's easy to make uh, very elegant uh, wines and uh, and uh, and uh, it's easy to make uh, balanced wines because the soils uh, are uh, clays and limestones. The clays gives you the, the power and the limestones give you the vertical taste, the complexity and, uh, and, uh, and the long-aging uh, uh, possibility. While uh, the, in other part of Argiano, uh, you have more clays maybe only, but in the Brunello vines you have clays and limestones. Also you have uh, the altitude that helps you a lot because we are 300 meters above the sea level, that is the average uh, point uh, that, that, that is in the middle of the hill and is a good point to make uh, balanced uh, uh, wines with uh, a long-aging uh, possibility and, uh, and, uh, and a lot of, uh, and, uh, and a lot of uh, personality. And uh, it is also a good, uh, a good uh, part of uh, Montalcino to make wines that uh, from the beginning uh, are approachable because uh, it's, uh, it's true that the tannins uh, are a little bit softer. This doesn't mean that uh, they are not able to age long, but uh, it means that they are more digestible from the beginning. You have uh, other areas in Montalcino where concentration, uh, especially in the tannicity, is a little bit more important, uh, and this uh, helps uh, a lot uh, for, uh, for making uh, a great wines uh, also, but uh, more long-aging, uh, more structured, uh, maybe uh, in the beginning a little bit more uh, hard to digest. But it's not... Uh, really about only the position because uh, it's really about the winemaking style uh, it's about uh, this kind of soils that in Montalcino change a lot so it's a lot of different aspects that uh, then uh, in the end makes the, the the characteristic of the wines yeah we were um, at the Brunello de, de Montalcino consortium and we tasted through several wines and I was surprised that I couldn't quite nail down a style based on geography. It did really seem to come down to, and maybe that's because of the warmth of the vintage, but it did seem to come down to a uh, maybe even a specific house style and the, and the kinds of wines that they like to make in addition to where they're located in the region. So um, we have the 2017 vintage in the books. That's what's current release in the markets uh, around the world. 
Um, can you give us a little bit of a preview of 2018-2019 for uh, for Brunello di Montalcino specifically? Yes. So the the Brunello, the vintage 2019 and, uh, and sorry, John, you say 2019 and 2018. Uh, the next the next yeah. couple of vintages. How so, does it look? It's uh, it's amazing uh, for us because we have uh, 18, 19, 20, 21st that uh, looks great and. Uh, and really, when I say looks great, is because uh, it's uh, you see the the effect of the vintage uh, come with the effect of the investments done in the vineyards and in the cellars. So it's a double effect of a good vintages and uh, great uh, uh, technical improvements and uh, team improvements and uh, and attention in wine making that year after year give results in. Uh, in the in the Argiano wines and eighteen uh, um, is a vintage that I love for being classic, being a little bit close to the thirteen vintage, uh, for example, where you have an elegant style of Brunello, not too much concentration, uh, as uh, it was a pretty cool uh, vintage. Then the nineteen is kind of a perfect vintage, as it was the sixteen. So you have uh, a lot of. Uh, quality and also good quantity, a lot of color, a lot of complexity, a lot of flavors. 20 is uh, like the 15. It's uh, powerful uh, with great tannicity, but very soft uh, and silky tannins and uh, complex uh, full body wine. 21st has been uh, a very bad vintage for quantity because uh, it's, uh, we had a frost um, in uh, early May that reduced the, the quantity a lot, but uh, quality speaking uh, is an, an amazing vintage because uh, uh, the, 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 the summer time was perfect and uh, we also had some rains in the beginning of uh, September and then a fabulous September month. So the ripening season was perfect. So it's uh, it's great because in front of us we have the see we have can see the vintage effect but also the effect of the hard work done by everybody in Argiano in the cellar for the past years. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. <laughs> well, it probably doesn't get talked about enough, but you're also the CEO in addition to being uh, the head winemaker. And so I know you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Um, but what is very uh, evident is that you've done a wonderful job managing a pretty incredible team. And uh, every time I get an opportunity to interact with any of them, they have, uh, they have nothing but wonderful things to say. So, you know, you should probably also be celebrated for not just being a pretty good winemaker, Bernardino, but also a pretty good boss, too. So, complimenti. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is... Um... Actually, uh, you know, you know, John is uh, is uh, is actually the 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 most difficult uh, side of the job of being the CEO, as it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, more fun and easy and creative to be the winemaker, and so it's only thanks to to the great team of Argiano and uh, the great uh, owners of Argiano that Argiano is doing uh, is doing pretty good, and especially I have to say, you mentioned him already, but Francesco is. Uh, amazing in uh, what he's doing in Argiano. Francesco, also Ricardo, my colleagues, uh, everybody, but uh, Francesco is really helping a lot in managing the, the, the estate. 
Yeah, as I was joking with you guys, you know, Francesco Minari is going to have to start traveling the world. You know, his English is great. He looks great. He's got a lot to say. You need to kick kick your feet up, relax a little bit, because I know you've got a lot going on, Bernardino. <laughs> I, 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 that that sounds great. So I you just have to convince him as uh, he doesn't like to travel. You know, is not is the 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 people who who are really obsessed with the work in the in the in, in the with the agronomical work and uh, and the, and they want to be always there they want to supervise every single detail so francesco you it's easy to find him in the vineyards but it's difficult to find mm. him uh, elsewhere and especially <laughs> if you ask him to have a lot of dinners and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and 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 NPR then I think he will uh, at a certain point he will he will quit so <laughs> I think <laughs> easier to come to Arjano and find him in the vineyards and then he will explain everything to to everybody yeah I think there's something uh, I think there's something important in there about the quality of the wines that are being made out of Argiano the the quality of the farming the passion that he brings to it but he's able to bring that passion because he has incredible integrity about uh, making, about doing the best possible thing, not only for the winery, but also for the sustainability of the environment. That's something, you know, we probably haven't talked enough about, but he's really passionate about. And, um, and I find it strangely comforting that he wants to stay in the vineyards. I think that's probably where he needs to be, despite the fact that he would be a pretty charming presence, uh, in the marketplace as well. Well, um, speaking of, uh, you know, PR and marketing and spending time, you know, um, I think it, you know, you, you do these things with us, uh, have these conversations with folks and, and it's so greatly appreciated. Um, but the thing that I want to stress is that this is just the window dressing to some really incredibly hard work that you do day in and day out at the estate in order to make, increasingly elegant, increasingly complex, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wines of place. And um, the Brunello di Montalcino is certainly a testament to that. The upcoming 2019 vintage of Salengo is absolutely a testament to that. And then, of course, that that expression that I've already probably spoken too much about, which is Vigna del Suelo, totally thrilling wine. And and when we cut, whenever that vintage you decide to return to making Vigna del Suelo. Maybe it'll be in the 2018, maybe it'll be in the 2019, but uh, that'll be uh, the number one bottle I look forward to tasting in the near future. Congratulations on all the success with the estate. Bernardino, thank you so much. Warm wishes. It was great seeing you this week and congratulations and continued success. Thank you, John. Let me say that uh, it's uh, thanks to people like you and uh, and uh, the amazing uh, partnership that we have with all of you in uh, in United States that we keep improving because you need some. Uh, if you if you don't have inputs from outside and uh, if you don't have a great support as you are providing us, it's held. It's very. It's almost impossible to to keep improving. Uh, to keep. Uh, achieving good results in the in the winemaking so thank you for all you are all doing and uh, maze row is an amazing uh, project and uh, and i'm sure will be amazing in the future even more amazing in the future so it's uh, really an exciting moment for us to be 
to be part of this group. And uh, and so yes, you're right. It's uh, Bin Italy ended. It's uh, thanks to it also congratulations to the organization of Bin Italy because it will uh, it was. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't. It hasn't been easy, but it was a great success. We can say because I'm I'm pretty exhausted, as you can feel from my voice. So this is a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that's that's probably the thing that I I'm just so thankful for you spending time with us because I can't even imagine how tired you are right now with uh, the amount of people that were at Vin Italy because it was such a great success. So thank you, thank you, thank you, complimenti on on all of your uh, endeavors and. Uh, Thanks for spending the time with us. Everyone, this has been uh, John Irwin and Bernardino Sani uh, from Argiano for Mays Row Wine Merchant, importer of wonderful wines in the United States. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed our new Mays Row Wine Merchant series. The focus is on excellence, family, legacy, sincerity, and innovation. To learn more about Mays Row Wine Merchant and today's featured producer, see our show notes and visit their websites. Don't forget to subscribe and like our show and tune in to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your pods. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.